Hey, you're listening to Terrifying Travel, the podcast where two friends will discuss a true crime and a paranormal story in a new city every week. I'm Sabrina. And I'm Maddie. And where are we off to today? (sighs) Today we are off to Bavaria, Deutschland, Bavaria, Germany. Have you been to that area of Germany? I have. I have family who lives there in Stuttgart, and um, my family comes from there. Like, my ancestors come from that area of Germany. And, yeah, I've went there twice. I've been there twice. Very cool. My my ancestors don't come from there, but my grandparents were stationed right outside of Stuttgart. Yes. (laughs) So I've heard many, 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 many. Many, many, many stories. Okay. Uh, so who actually starts? Do, does facts go first? Facts okay. go first. So los gates. So I have some very interesting facts. Oh, and I have a lot of pop-ups, too. Okay, they're great. <laughs> so, Maddie, do you happen to be wearing jeans right now? No, I am not. Okay, well, neither am I, but I will be later. So I will be wearing my jeans thanks to Levi Strauss, who gave us our precious jeans. He came from Buchenheim in Bavaria. Yeah. That's cool. And do you remember when we did our our episode in Spain, where we talked about The Empress, the TV show? Yes. Well, Elizabeth was Bavarian. Yes. Oktoberfest is not just in Germany. It's in Bavaria. It started in 1810. And, sorry, yeah. It's big in Bavaria. It's, it like, massive in Bavaria. Well, I'm pretty sure Bavaria is the home. Yes, 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 yes. And to keep up with the massive crowds during Oktoberfest, they actually speed up the escalators. They can move faster, get people where they're going faster, but that doesn't always work with drunk people. <laughs> so the website I was using had a, com- what is it, a completation? I can never get that word right. Uh-huh. A pile of videos of all the drunk people falling down. However, it wouldn't work for me. <laughs> oh, I was so excited when I saw that. After studying for like two weeks straight, I was going to watch drunk people fall down. And I clicked it. It was like, 404, error found. No. Thanks. The worst. <laughs> Speaking of beer, there are over 60 beer gardens in Munich. Yeah. Munich's university has a four-story slide to help kids get to their classes faster. Oh. Which I think would be... Both great and horrible. That's really fun. That's really cool. Yeah. Beer is legally considered be- food in Bavaria. To prevent merchants from contaminating it, in 1516, they created the Beer Purity Act, um, which, just like food, you can't put stuff in people's food without telling them. You cannot put stuff in beer because it's food, and they never canceled that act. Yeah. I I saw a TikTok about it. Like, um, basically, like, they can't put honey or, like, any weird things in their beer. It's really Which, interesting. Not a bad idea, because, like, well, we lived in China. But how <laughs> often do people buy, like, really cheap bootleg beer or alcohol in any kind, and it comes back, like, 60% antifreeze? Yeah. <laughs> true, 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 true. Which, I mean, like, feeding someone antifreeze is illegal, but if you put, like, an additional note, you're tampering with food. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then... The English gardens in Munich have a nudist area. <gasps> oh. Yes. Which, I don't, I, don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> and honestly, all of this is beer. Um, oh, and cars. When Sweden invaded Munich during the Thirty Year War, the king threatened to destroy the city unless citizens brought him 600,000 barrels of beer. What? <laughs> I mean, if you 
bring me six hundred thousand barrels of or barrels of beer and I won't destroy you guys because I'm like hammered out of my mind. <laughs> right? I'm like, what? Like I know it doesn't necessarily go bad, but like six hundred thousand barrels of beer, it can't last that long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although then again, that was in like prehistoric time. So beer was six bottles of beer on the wall, six hundred and ninety six bottles of beer. <laughs> So much more than that. But I remember reading somewhere that, like, because the Greeks were constantly drunk on, like, beer and wine. It wasn't yes. as strong as ours is now. Mm. So yeah, you could was... actually drink beer all day long and just have, like, a regular buzz. Yeah. Yeah. It was like water for them. Kind of. Yeah. Well, it was cleaner yeah. than the water. <laughs> yes. So Mercedes-Benz at a university in Munich created a self-driving car in the 90s that didn't rely on GPS. Oh. Yes. Oh. The oldest building in Munich is a toilet built in 1260. Oh. Yeah, that could be next to. We'll go to the oldest building in in, in um. Where were we? Just Madrid, and then go to uh, mm-hmm. Munich. Okay, so Bavarian Motor Works, also known as BMW, has its HQ in Munich, which shouldn't surprise anyone. But it has its own postal code. And I was oh. talking to Jamie, and apparently Honda, their HQ also has its own postal code. And Mini Cooper is also made in the same BMW factory. Oh. Munich gave us Play-Doh. Oh. Thank you for Play-Doh. Thank you. (laughs) There is a whole building at home that I went to kindergarten in that I just associate with Play-Doh. Oh. Yes. So when I smell Play-Doh, I think of that school. (laughs) And the great Jimi Hendrix smashed his first guitar in Munich. Yeah. (laughs) Although I was going to tell you more about, like, the Nürburgring. That is a great... Uh, racetrack that like yeah big deal but every but I did discover you got to add ring to it yes otherwise yes. you end up with the Nurburg trials yes and then I saw like oh Nurbur rally I'll go look up that's probably about like rally cars no it's still about the trial yes and yes. that went down and depressing real fast so I didn't go yeah. there yes I have a fun fact about Bavaria Germany yes Bavaria Germany also gave us Adidas and Puma. And the thing is, Adidas and Pluma, they're made by two brothers, and they set up separate shoe shops in this one little town, and the town is split directly down the middle, where half the town wears Adidas, and half the town wears Puma. Where I'm from, that's called a gang war. (laughs) That's funny. Was there, like, was there, like, an issue between the two brothers, and that's why they split the companies, or are they just... Yeah, they had, like, the falling out about it and everything so do you know how many things we have because people were assholes right (laughs) like lamborghini ford i mean ford everything he did was just to prove a point yes um like we have so much stuff just because people were like if you say i can't do it i'm going to do it yes i I love petty shit i love it (laughs) okay while we're there where should we go maddie all right, so number 10, go check out the Alanis Arena in Munich. Now, I think, also a fun fact that I didn't put in, the outside of that building changes colors depending on the team that's playing in it. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. cool. Yes. yes, and you can catch a Bayern München game while you're there. That's their football team. All right, number nine is Altstadt, which is three hours from Munich, and it is a medieval town. And I feel like Germany would kill at medieval towns. It looks beautiful. And Altstadt, the name, literally means old city. Very nice. Yes. 
Number eight, the BNW Museum. My dad has been. Oh. Yes. All right. Number seven, <laughs> Residence, as it's called. It's a formal royal palace in Rittelsbach. Okie dokie. And now it's a museum, and there's a lot of fancy art. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Number six brings us to the Bavarian Alps with Zugspritze. I'd love to see those. Is this beautiful, beautiful skiing and snowboarding area? Yep. Number five is the Nymphenburg Palace. Nymph. A royal palace, the summer residence of the king. Where the nymphs live. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Number four, I have been to, it is Schloss Neuschwanstein. Okay, and what is that? It is the Castle of Neuschwanstein, which means New Swan Castle. Um, and it, that's the Big Deal Castle, isn't it? That's the Big Deal Castle yep. that inspired Cinderella's Castle at Disney. Yep. And it's also the one where the guy built it, uh, Ludwig built it, and then he lived in it for about 10 days, and then he died. Love it. At least he got to live in it. Yeah, it's really beautiful. I went inside it, and you can't take pictures of the inside, so, like, it feels a little exclusive. Cause That's when you put your phone on record and put it in your back pocket. No, 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 they were watching you like a hawk. Like Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, number three is a little sad, but definitely worth um, oh visiting. It's the Dalkanal Concentration okay. Camp Memorial yeah. Site. Very sad, but definitely worth going into and learning about for sure number two is a place that you have already mentioned english gardens yes yeah english- with the nudist camp <laughs> yeah the english gardens in munich and you can go surfing in the river there i i did see that as well yep 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 yep, yep. it looks beautiful it looks so beautiful and number one is the Marenplatz. it is a town square it is the soul of Munich, and it has buildings dating back to 1158. That's dope. Yeah. So check all those places out. Those are the top ten attractions in Bavaria, Germany. Now, do you speak any German? I think you do, don't you? Ich spreche ein bisschen Deutsch, aber es ist nicht so gut. Yeah, okay, you just asked me to sleep with you, didn't you? <laughs> no. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I said I speak a little German, but it's not very good. Oh, I basically shiza. <laughs> For some reason, my grandmother decided that saying shit in front of the grandkids is unacceptable, but saying it in another language, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, hello, ich heiße Mandy, ich komme aus dem USA, ich spreche ein bisschen Deutsch, aber es ist nicht so gut. Yeah. Yeah. Das ist gut. Das ist gut. I'm trying to relocate there so badly. Uh, anyway, before I get into it, Sabrina, do you want to tell me about your case? I do. My case, I've actually listened, every podcast I listen to has covered this case. So it's still a really interesting case. Um, I just didn't have time with my exams to find something else, but it's still a really good case. I do want to say two things. Um, Maddie and I discussed it. I don't think I need to go into the graphic details about how these people died. And I won't, I don't think I'm going to do that in any of our cases. Uh, we're trying to, I think what entertains us is the case, solving the case, understanding what happened, how it happened, who, the who done it part. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know how horrible a two year old died. 
Yeah, yeah. We I like also, the unsolved element of it. Yes, or preferably the solved part, but how we got to that yeah. solved part. Yeah, exactly. Um, this is an unsolved case, so just so you know. Mm. I also won't be posting any, or I, I have two photos, but I won't be posting all the photos. Mm. I think it's ridiculous how this happened in 1922, and it's going to be like 40 years before, like, a married couple's allowed to be shown on TV in the same bed, yet we're post, the newspaper was just taking photos of dead bodies. Yeah, it, that, yeah, yeah. So, as soon as you type in this case, you just find the bodies in the hay, and I don't, nah, I'm not gonna do that, and honestly, Instagram doesn't need to kick us off for that. Yeah, true, 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 true. So today, we are going back a, exactly 101 years. Oh, where, where where were you in April 1922, Maddie? <laughs> 1922. I wasn't even a thought at nope. all. Um, I think my grandparents might have been becoming thoughts. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or, or actually, the more interesting answer is that I was in America during the Roaring Twenties and doing some Great Gatsby shit. <laughs> Ooh, that's cool. That's cool. I was. Definitely trying to convince Al Capone to send some um, alcohol to Canada. <laughs> yeah. Sabrina and Maddie, time travelers confirmed. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm the reason he's got the cut on the face. <laughs> my yeah. booty was so amazing. He was like, damn, girl. And my brother was like, I'm so tired of this. <laughs> we are going to the town of Wadehofen, about an hour away from Munich, to a homestead called Hinterkaifeck. Do you recognize that name? I'm thinking I'm also a very forgetful person. So You're good. Things like names never. Well, even yeah. with your, Jessica Chambers case, I thought mm. I recognized that name. And then as soon as you said the case, I was like, oh, right. Yeah. 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 Which also yeah. your day trip, man. As soon as you said and he had a child from this uh, affair, I was like, oh, shit. that's going yeah (laughs) yep yep yep. which to the listeners listen to the day trip yes to our day trip uh i don't mean to spoil it but as soon as he says he had an affair and he had a child in that affair you know where the whole story went yep i think i was in the shower and i was like oh jesus christ (laughs) i listened to your beautiful voice in the shower oh thank you so anyway, 35-year-old Victoria lived in a farmhouse with her 7-year-old daughter, Kazelia, who I will be referring to as Kazelia Jr., her 2-year-old son, Joseph, and her parents, Andreas and Kazelia Sr. The family was usually a fairly quiet family, but their neighbors became concerned on April 1st when Kazelia Jr. didn't show up to school, and the whole family missed church. And, you know, it's April, so that could be coming around the Easter time. So normally those aren't... Church masses you can miss. Coffee sellers also came by to collect what might have been a regular order. When no one came to the door, they wandered around the yard and didn't see anything too unusual other than a gate to a shed was left open. On the 4th, a repairman came by, and after waiting for an hour and not finding anything, anyone, he just did his repairs and left, which blows my mind. Can you imagine hiring a handyman, leaving him for an hour, and him still doing his job and then leaving? Yeah. Like, mm. no. I mean, UPS can't even leave my package on the, on the doorstep when I'm gone. Yeah. Hmm. What a lovely idea. Yeah. So that's actually the crime here? How that actually happened? I don't, <laughs> I don't believe he did. I don't believe he did. I think he got lucky because his boss was going to call him Monday and be like, excuse you. <laughs> so, Cazelia also missed school on the 3rd and the 4th. So the neighbors decided they needed to investigate. 
Florence Schlittenbauer uh, first sent his two sons down. And I hate hearing that. The amount of times I've heard it. So he sent his teen sons down to find out what happened. Don't do that. Please don't do that. That's also Send the me. kids first. I'm too busy. Send the that, kids. Yeah, that is actually something my dad. Hey, did you hear any screaming from the neighbors? Like, Can you guys run over and knock on the door and see what's up? <laughs> he would absolutely. I'm cooking dinner. You guys head over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they didn't see anything unusual, so they went back home. And, like, understandable as well, they probably weren't keen on, like, going into the people's houses. Mm-hmm. So this didn't sound right to Loren, so him and two other men went back to check. They were much more com- comfortable opening doors and entering property. Yeah. So here's the trigger warning. We're just going to talk about the, what happened. So starting in the barn, they found the beaten bodies of the three adults and seven-year-old Kazelia. They were partially covered with hay. In the house, they found Joseph and the maid, Maria, murdered in the house. Said that twice. It was actually Maria's very first day, as the previous maid had quit six months earlier because she claimed the house was haunted. So they went six months. Like, nobody would work for them for six months. They finally find this girl, and her she was actually dropped off that day. Oh. So let's go back a little further in time to when the last mm-hmm. maid quit. She said she was hearing sounds in the attic. Uh, Andreas had found a newspaper from Munich, even though no one ordered it. He assumed that maybe the mailman dropped it as he was going to the next person's house. However, he said nobody in the area orders a newspaper from Munich. Mm. A key to the house had also gone missing. A few Mm. days before the murder, Andreas reported finding tracks in the snow that led to the same shed that the coffee men found the door open to. The same day, he heard footsteps in the attic, but found no one when he went to look. Now, the family was willing to tell their neighbors, and their neighbors all knew about this, but were not willing to report any of it to the police. Uh, Mm. And that could be explained in a bit. Okay. Okay. So, an important note, um, I hadn't heard in other podcasts. However, apparently, Kazelia Jr. had told her friend that there was a violent fight one um, shortly before the murders, and Victoria had ran out of the house and was only found hours later hiding in the forest. Oh, so there was a little bit of trouble in the house, but there was mm-hmm. definitely something going on around the house as well. Mm. Maria's sister may have been the last person to see her family when she was when she dropped off her sister on March 31st. It is believed that the adults in, that the adults in the family were lured out to the barn one by one. Um, then the killer went into the house to kill Maria and Joseph, who were asleep. It appears that they slept through their murders, so at least they got that. Yeah. It's unsure how they were lured out. It was originally thought that the animals were upset, and they went out to try to calm them. But testing proved that the human screams couldn't be heard, so they're not sure if animals could be. Um, however, that could explain why family might have kept coming out, though, if they couldn't hear screaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, although you could, I feel like, you know, even if I can't entirely hear the animals, you'd be able to hear a little bit. Yeah. And, you know... If you could hear a little bit of screaming and you thought it was animals still being angry. So the killer used the family's axe to kill them, and he took it with them after. So he didn't come prepared for this. The killer stayed on the property for a few days after the murders as the cows had been fed. And I love this. All the bread and some of the meat in the kitchen had been eaten. <laughs> so I visited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have eaten all the meat. Don't play with me. Yeah. <laughs> after the murders, but before the bodies were found, a passerby had noticed the oven was on. And I think by oven, they kind of mean, like, the coal uh, furnace. Mm-hmm. 
And the smoke coming from the chimney smelled terribly. Oh. Although we never really find because we find the body, so we're not really sure what, what could have been burning. Mm. Um, and I don't think, like, if you're burning your bloody clothes, I don't think that normally smells. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So before he could go to investigate, though, he was approached by someone with a lantern, lantern who frightened him away. Two strangers were also seen in the woods April 1st at 3 a.m., so the still the night of the murders. And they made a point to, like, turn away when someone came to see their face. So, yeah. I don't and like I'm, that. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm like... 3 a.m.? Like... Yeah. yeah, well, honestly, why were you in the woods at 3 a.m.? Exactly. Like, you're all shady now. I'm questioning everybody. Yeah. Now, this is going to go as no surprise to anybody. It was 1922, so the crime scene was absolutely ruined by the amount of people who went in and out, moved bodies, and even cooked and ate in the kitchen. What's DNA, right? Oh, my God. Ugh. Oh, and it gets even better. So this was between the First and Second World War, I think. Yes, it was. It was between the First and Second World War. So after the first autopsies, the heads were sent to Munich for extra testing. Nothing seems to come from it, and nothing will ever come from it, because during the Second World War, the heads were lost. Oh. Yeah, oh. they've not been found yet. Oh. So the family is buried without their heads. Oh. Yep. Which, that's one of those things where it's like, in 500 years, archaeologists are going to be so confused. Oh, my God. I oh, mean, yeah. I, I was going to say that's some voodoo stuff. I'm just like, that has to be a bad omen, being buried well, without see, their heads. I also kind of believe in being buried with every everything. Not mm. necessarily as much as, I know there's some religions where you cannot be buried without everything. Yeah. Um, but... I believe in having all of you. And there's also kind of like, yeah, where are those heads? Yeah. I don't think anything shady happened, though, because it was just the Second World War. Yeah, I mean. I I don't normally just say it was just the Second World War or whatever. (laughs) But, like, so much art was lost. Yes. Everything was lost in the World War II. Like, that's actually my my great aunt has a violin that came from the Second World War. My great grandfather was taking cover during the war, doing war things, they all just kind of hid into a um, a music shop waiting for everything to pass. And be, they're Cape Bretoners, so they just did what they did. And they looked up and they were like, damn, we're in a music shop. Let's have a Kaylee. And someone was playing the piano and it was it sounded like shit. So they opened up the piano and there was a violin wrapped up and hidden inside the piano. <gasps> Whoa. And my grandfather thought, ah, fuck it. We're defending your country. This is mine now. <laughs> oh, no. So we still have, well, someone in the family still has it. That's amazing, though. Yeah, so that's kind of a, important. We all kind of know over that violin. We don't know where the violin is. It's somewhere on that side of the family. And I say that not in the, like, it's been lost and we don't know where it is. I just am not close to that side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we know a grandson has it. I just haven't seen it. Yeah. Yeah, my grandfather's got a ton of weird stories like that. Yeah. My grandfather also, my great grandfather also dove into a hay, a pile of hay, because things were happening, and he slammed his head into a Mercedes. <gasps> they tried to bury the Mercedes in hay, so they wouldn't find it. He left that. He left that. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't too psyched to slam into it, though. Okay. Ah, uh, so everyone thought like possibly robbery could have been the motive. However, nothing was taken from the house. And, you know, maybe in 1922, that looked like a robbery. This does not look like a robbery to me. 
you don't need an axe to bludgeon people when you're going to take yeah. the money. Like, that's yeah. the plot. Yeah. Okay, so this one seems a little bit out there as well. There's so many things I'm going to tell you in the next, like, two pages where it's just dumb shit that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> okay. So, in May 1927, so five years after the murders, almost exactly, a stranger stopped a townsperson at midnight and asked about the murders. Then he shouted that he was the killer and ran away. In, yeah. my, head, in my head, I envisioned him like Naruto running away. <laughs> it was like, I'm the killer, blah, 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 and then ran away. I, I'm imagining like um, the greasy dude from Family Guy who just says random stuff and then slips out of people's hands and just runs around. <laughs> that's okay. That could be, yeah. Yeah, just like at, he came up to someone at midnight. It's like no, someone was drunk and yeah, yeah, yeah that didn't happen. Yeah. But okay, yeah. So now, who are the suspects? Ooh. Now, Maddie, who is always the first suspect when a woman dies? The husband. The husband. <laughs> so Victoria's husband, Carl, had been killed in the First World War, but why not? His body was never found. So. Trigger warning here as well. And this is why I don't think um, Andreas, her father, was willing to talk to the cops. So while Carl was was gone, uh, Joseph was born, the baby. He was two years old. Now, she could have been pregnant before Carl left, right? Like Mm -hmm. nine months. It takes a while for her to realize, I'm sure. Uh, But it also could have been her father's baby. Uh, Yes. uh. Apparently, it was known throughout town, and the two had been convicted of having an incestuous relationship. I remember this case now. I remember now. (laughs) Yeah. And some, I I heard in one podcast that the maid walked in on them engaging in sex. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, but that makes it sound like she was willing. Um, And you know what? No way around this. This is rape. Yeah. Even if she was willing um, and it started once she was of age, he had to be grooming her. Yeah. Because yeah. this isn't, like, we're not talking about, like, a thousand years ago when shit was weird. This is a hundred yeah. years ago when we knew this wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah, exactly. So a child would not be, like, turn 18 and be like, yeah, toast, this sounds good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was also mm. believed that Victoria may not have been Andreas and, and uh, Kazelia's only child as well, but he was so abusive that the, none of the children survived. Oh. Yes. So I'm thinking she didn't have a choice in this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it is believed that Carl survived, and when he got back into town, he discovered this relationship, if you want to call it that, and that the child might not be his, so he took his revenge, which, I mean, Carl, uh, to me, only one murder needed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, just just one person, <laughs> not the whole family. Although it's possible, there was was one source that I didn't even discuss where they think Andreas killed the whole family, and then it fell. But, yeah, I I, I didn't bother with that, though, because right away they were like, yeah, except for you can't really slam an axe into your own head. Yeah, unless you're, like, falling on it, like... (laughs) Can you imagine falling, getting back up, falling, getting back up? <laughs> it's not comical, but it's comical. <laughs> it's like in those cartoons where they put the axe on, like, the lever or whatever, and it's just like, ching, 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 ching. <laughs> yeah. He made one of those devices. But then he would have to hide the device before he died, so. True. True. Yeah. Okay. So, 
People have claimed that they did meet Carl after his death. At the end of the Second War, uh, people claimed that they met a German-speaking Soviet officer who claimed to be the Hinterkaifeck killer. Again, people are just like, oh, yeah, did you hear about the, the killing up north? That was me, man. Nobody's doing that. Yeah. Uh, however, some of the men who spoke to him later changed their statements, losing their credibility. But it was suggested that Carl had always wanted to go to Russia. Which, like, this is the middle of the war. It's not, yeah. oh, I'm dead? That's a great time to go see Russia. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, if it's not the husband, and it's definitely not one of them, who's normally the next person? Hmm. The neighbors. Jealous yeah. neighbors. Yeah. Well, it's the neighbor, but it's always the person who comes to visit the crime scene, right? Yes. yes. So Lorenz was the one who sent his children, and when they found nothing, he went back. Mm-hmm. Well, it was rumored that he had a short relationship with Victoria, and Joseph was actually his child. <gasps> and you know what? If we hadn't killed this girl, maybe we could find out who the child was. Yeah. Did we ever think about this? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And once again, you didn't have to kill everybody. Mm-hmm. Some sources said that this was an official relationship, actually, and they had planned to get married before the father ended the relationship. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the father doesn't look great to me. I'm pretty certain that everything said about the father is true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of them actually referred to Joseph as Lorenz's son. <gasps> so... Yeah, I don't give credit to the guy that died but didn't die, because he never showed back up in life. Yeah, yeah. And, like, okay, so your girlfriend cheated on you, but you're never going to say hello to your mother? <laughs> so, and that, then, I'm just writing all of that off. That was just confusing yeah, and unpleasant. Yeah. Lawrence uh, makes a little more sense, but then it's like, why would you kill his own son? Why would he kill his own son? Yeah, well, again, only one person needs to be killed here. Yeah. Like, even if you're mad at her, if the breakup went bad, the maid, the two children, yeah. like, this is, yeah. yeah. Mm. So, so his behavior after finding the bodies was also very suspicious. The men claimed they need to break down the barn door to get in, but before they left, he pulled out a key and locked up behind them. Huh? Uh-huh. He had a key. Huh? And you recall what went missing a couple days before the murder? The cows. The keys! The keys, yes. <laughs> no, I, I thought the cows went missing, too, at some point. No, the cows, were, they thought the cows were angry. Um, and the cows were fed. The cows were fed. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Wait, so he supposedly killed everyone and then continued to feed the cows. Yeah. And take care of the cows. Yes. Wow. See, wow. that's also why I don't think it was him, because nobody said he was he went missing forever for, like, a long time, but there was definitely somebody who was living in that house. Yeah. If he had his own, if he only lived, like, a hundred feet away, why would he eat at their place? Yeah. So I don't yeah. think it was him. And see, that is where Carl would have made sense, because nobody knew he was in town. Yeah. So he would have had to live in the attic for six months. Yeah, true. Because that's, true, what, the, true. that's what the haunting was. It was somebody living in the attic. It's, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. So Carl could have made more sense, but yeah. I just don't. He died, and he never came. Cause he's dead now, that's for sure. So however long he lived, he never came to anybody. So he also went into the house alone. Because remember, there was a couple in the house and a couple in the barn. So he went mm-hmm. into the house alone, and when he was asked why, he said he wanted to see if his son was there. 
Which, this would be fine, because remember, it was possible that everybody knew it was his son. Yeah. But you just walked in to see if the body was there and then never did anything. Like, not that you should be moving stuff. Yeah. But just, I can't imagine just being like, nobody said he came out and started freaking out or anything. Yeah. He just went in, saw his dead kid, and then came, okay, let's go call the cops now. Yeah. Like, what? So, unfortunately, there is no way to know if he intentionally or accidentally disturbed the crime scene. I mean, it was a mess anyway, and he was the first to see it. So, this also doesn't mean that the missing key, that it was the missing key, though. Um, As a neighbor or a secret or official lover, he could have just had a copy. Mm. Um, But, again, no one's there to clarify whether they gave him the key. Yeah. So, the town gossip mill really believed Lorenz was good for it. They thought Victoria must have demanded child support, so he killed the whole family. Oh. Which, it's kind of like the divorce one. Child support's cheaper. Although he was never caught, so this is great. He did great. Yeah, yeah. This was cheaper. (laughs) Sure, I guess. So, another really random event. In 1925, a school teacher found Lorenz visiting the house, and when he asked, asked him why he was there... He randomly started telling that the killer had tried to bury the family, but being that the ground that the ground was frozen, so he just covered them with hay. Like, how would you know that? But also, why would you say that? Whoa, yeah. Exactly. I'm thinking like everyone in this in this um story was drunk. Yeah, because <laughs> that was like all of this, like just meeting someone at midnight, saying I'm the killer and running away, randomly telling them something that nobody knew. Yeah, like you had to have been hammered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either that, or you were just like. You know, if he was unconnected to the murder, but actually connected to Victoria, and he was just truly broken up, but it's three years. It could have yeah. been, I don't have a date, so it could have been three years of the day, and he was just so broken up, he had to go visit, and he could be looking at, like, maybe this is what happened. Yeah. But I'm thinking, like, that's kind of a random, and I, I imagine if I was speculating, if, if if you found me speculating, I would say, I'm speculating this is what happened. Yeah. I wouldn't just be like, yeah. Killer did this. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what happened. Yeah, that does exactly. sound like I was there. Yeah. However, Lorenz sued multiple people who tried to claim he was the killer, and he won. Now, this doesn't mean the court found him innocent. It just means that he wasn't convic- convicted, so you can't announce that he is the killer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, defamation. He, like, sued yeah. for defamation. Yeah. Yeah. So now we've got a bunch of random... So two brothers were kind of randomly accused of murder by their sister on her deathbed. Oh. How many dolls do you think they fucked up for that? <laughs> like, I'm just thinking, like, how bad would my brother have to screw me over for me to be dying and be like, he's the killer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the police eventually dropped the charges because they had no charge, no, like, evidence or anything. Yeah. So this one yeah, was yeah. also really confusing. I had to look into it. Two other brothers were also randomly accused, but their name was Carl and Andreas. Oh. So that was, I had to, like, go back and make sure there was, um, it wasn't, in fact, them. Yeah. And they were accused by their mother. (laughs) Now, would you like to know why she thought it was them? Why? One of them said, quote, he regretted losing his his pen knife. And an unidentified pocket knife was found when the house was demolished. Oh. However, the maid is confident that she's seen that, the maid who, you know, survived, so the previous maid who worked there six months before the murders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's confident she had seen that pocket knife around the house. Like, it belongs yeah. to somebody in the house. Yeah. But can you imagine your mother just hearing that you lost a knife? Oh, a knife was found at the murder scene, though. It's you. 
<laughs> your mother has no trust in you. None. Like, which makes me see. Okay, you're good for some crime somewhere, but not this yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, your sister, your mother, just my God. So it, a couple other pairs of brothers. They were all brothers. Um, were accused, but it's so random. I didn't even or loosely connected that I didn't even include include them. Yeah. And most of the motives were money, which was disproven. Yeah. So there was also a man suspected of a similar murder in Massachusetts. <laughs> I mean, it's just a train right away. A hop, skip, and a flight <laughs> to the United States. Yeah. Was and a flight to the States in like 1922. Yeah. So actually, it would have been a steamboat ride. Yeah. Like, you're only, what, ten years off of the Titanic. So, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. They suggested he went back to Germany to avoid getting arrested. And it's like, um, I to me, this is back to the H.H. H. Holmes thing. Yeah. That's kind of yeah, out yeah. there. Yeah, so yeah, this yeah. case has not been solved yet, and it was closed in 1955, although it was investigated again in 1986, but nothing came of it. Mm-hmm. And this is what kills me, though. In 2007, 15 police academy students looked into the case. They did criticize the, place, the police of, of the time for not taking fingerprints, which was common practice. However, there were probably a million fingerprints in that house. Mm-hmm. They concluded that they do know who did it. But okay. for the sake of their descendants, they won't release the name. What? Which, I mean, 50-50? It's been 100 years. Yeah. So I'm not... I am not going to feel any way if I find out my great-grandfather did something. Yeah. And I can't imagine, although I don't know, the town could still hold this quite closely, but I can't imagine I'm going to be criticized. I don't think I'm going to be negatively affected if I find out that 100 years ago my grandfather killed somebody. Yeah. Yeah, My great-grandfather. Like, just fool me. Yeah. Yeah. So that is my case. Hey, good case. Good case, good case. I think it was just a random person who was living in their attic for a little while, and so they thought they had a ghost, but then he came down and, like, just wanted the house and just, like, killed everyone, but continued to take care of the cows and eat all the food. I think it was just a random person. Yeah, well, especially during the war, it could have been someone who was uh, an escapee or something. Yeah. yeah. He was yeah, trying yeah. to hide and he didn't, yeah. he thought he had, well, he went four days without being caught. He was probably thinking he could get away longer. Yeah. Um, and it's also possible too that he was spooked and he felt that he had to kill people. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you push someone in the corner, like they might fight you out of that corner. Like, yeah. So yeah, I think maybe it's that, but I yeah, like, I, I like this case. It's interesting. Yeah. And I just, I, like I said, I can't imagine it's the husband. Like, yeah. that sounds so out there that he wasn't killed. Yeah. Um. And if, like, things were confusing, I think, I don't remember, but I'm sh- I'm sure I've heard of lots of people who were accounted for as dead and then weren't. Yeah. It was just that messy. However, normally they did show up dead at that time. Yeah. But how could you go the rest of your life without, although I guess if you kill somebody, you're not going to come around, but you'd have to reach out to somebody at some point, no? Yeah, it's like a deathbed confession. Yeah, oh, I I hate that more people don't do that. Yeah, I'm like, tell me all your secrets before you die, please. Right, like, we know, like, the Zodiac Killer, somebody knows, the Zodiac Killer knows who they are. Yeah. Say yeah, it yeah. right before you die. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many things, right? Okay, so Maddie, can you make a deal with me? If you ever do something crazy, <laughs> say it before you die. 
Yes. yes okay, I'll do the same. I, I will tell you all my secrets before I die, Sabrina. Oh, now I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> and I just don't see Lorenz being good for it either. Yeah. I mean, he's the one of all the, the, the possibilities. He's the one that makes the most sense. Yeah. But, again... Like, again, why, he'd have to kill his, all of them. Yeah, his own child, like, supposedly. Well, allegedly. and, like, if for some reason you had to kill everyone who came out to the barn, because they just came out and you had to, otherwise, you know, they were going to tell everyone, Maria and your child were asleep in the house. Yeah. You didn't have to go in to find them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm just going to call up the police academy in Munich and ask them... Who it is. Please do. Or build a time machine. Yeah, we could just... Have you ever considered we could have just prevented it? <laughs> no, that's the thing with time. You can't change you can't. it. You can, I know, I know. You can go back and observe it. I know. I always think about that. I don't think I could do it. I think that's such an interesting concept for a Myrtle mystery novel series. Like, a time traveler just goes to famous cases and observes them and, like, cracks the case in modern times. Well, there's a book that was written, I have the first three, I think, that are kind of like that. These kids went to the Al Capone Tunnels in Moose Jaw. It's a children's young adult book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's only so deep. But they have to, like, solve a crime. And then they get thrown back into their own time. Yeah. Um, solve or I prevent know, a crime. Yeah, yeah. I know that's the uh, I Survive children series. Like, they send the children back in time to, like, a natural disaster to, like, teach them about it. And then they send them back. Yeah, and I just have to think, like, there's so many things. Would it have been better or worse if we stopped something from happening? It's an interesting concept. All right. So I have to give a trigger warning at the top as this story is very dark. I am going to be mentioning topics of religion, uh, exorcisms, mental health, and uh, fortunately there's a death at the end. So Trigger warning for religion. By the way, happy Easter. Happy Easter. <laughs> Trigger warming for religion, uh, mental health, and exorcisms, yes. Um, so, yeah, this story that I have today is The Exorcism of Annalisa Michelle. Now, Sabrina, what is your opinion on exorcisms, and I guess your opinion on religion in general, I guess? Uh, so I am sort of religious. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not officially Catholic. Um, I grew up in an extremely religious uh, country, we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. I support everyone's religion until those religions start not supporting each other. For exorcisms, uh, it depends on what the cause is. Mm. If she's okay. just not listening to you, and so you're getting her an exorcism, that's different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for at least Catholic exorcisms, you have to go through a lot of tape to get to that. Yes, yes. Which should prevent it just being... You know, because you feel like doing it or too yeah. abusive. They sound really yeah. horrible. I think I'm in the same boat as you. Um, I'm semi-religious. I did go to church today for Easter. So, uh, <laughs> but um, semi-religious, semi-Catholic, into it, but not too into it. See, I and, hate crowds so much. I would go yep. literally any other day of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm of the same opinion as exorcisms. Exorcisms should definitely be a last resort. Yeah. Like, after this person has had 
therapy and talked to psychologists and had maybe some medication trials and then like kinder religious practices like praying with priests or talking with the priest or because our brain is just so tricky and like it likes to make us believe that like something's there where it's not you know like let's hop into the exorcisms of Annalisa Michelle where the exorcism was the last resort but taken to a dark place Annalisa Michelle was born in September of 1952 in Liefling, Bavaria, Germany. Annalisa grew up very Roman Catholic as she attended Mass twice a week with her family, her two sisters, and her father and mother, Joseph and Anna. Annalisa had a normal, happy childhood, and she was reported to be a bright and happy girl. That all took a turn when she turned 16. Annalisa, well, then she just got an attitude. <laughs> it's just Same puberty, thing. mom. It's just puberty. It's not a phase, Maddie. It's not a phase. You just don't understand her. <laughs> Annalise lost consciousness for the first time when she was 16. This prompted the parents to take her to the hospital and get her examined. She was diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy. She received- what year was this, by the way? Uh, this was when she was 16. Is the 1960s? Okay. Okay. She so received were less common. Yes. Okay. She received medication and continued on with her life. In June of 1970, Annalise had two more seizures and was prescribed Dilantin, which is an anti-convulsion drug. This drug did not seem to help at all, and the doctors prescribed her another drug to try Aolept, which is used in the treatment of various psychoses, such as schizophrenia. So, by 1973, Annalise began experiencing hallucinations, depression, and complained about hearing voices telling her that she was damned and would rot in hell. Annalise also became intolerant of sacred places and artifacts. One story was of her and her mother at home, and Annalise stared at a statue of Jesus furiously. Annalise's eyes then turned jet black and her hand supposedly became claws as she stared at the Jesus statue. In an attempt to help Annalise, a local friend offered to take Annalise to San Danamino, a region in Italy that's particularly religious, and the friend told the mother this story. Quote, She was unable to enter the shrine. She approached it with the greatest hesitation and then said that the soil burned like fire, and she simply could not stand it. She then walked around the shrine in a wide arc and tried to approach it from the back. She looked at the people who were kneeling in the area surrounding the little garden, and it seemed to her that while praying, they were gnashing their teeth. She got as far as the edge of the little garden, and then she had to turn back. Coming from the front again, she had to avert her gaze from the picture of Christ in the chapel of the house. She made it several times to the garden, but she could not get past it. She also also noted that she could no longer look at medals or pictures of saints. They sparkled so immensely that she could not stand it, unquote. I'm always so impressed with neighbors. Mm -hmm. My response would be, damn, your kid's weird. Keep them away from mine. (laughs) Yeah. Even, Maddie, if you had kids, I'd be like, oh, well, here's a solution. No, I'm not taking him. But here's (laughs) a solution. (laughs) Yeah. Hope it works for you. Have a great day. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. So Annalise was also unable to move past the crucifix or drink from the Holy Spring. 
Annalise began to believe that she was possessed at this point. She tried to go to a psychiatric hospital, but it also did nothing to help her symptoms. After this, Annalise's family began looking for a priest to perform an exorcist. The church declined the family's request, saying that it would need to be approved by a bishop and that the family should continue with medication and medical treatment. Annalise did have some symptoms of demonic possession, but she didn't meet all of the Catholic Church's set criteria to be given an exorcist. They have a very, very strict criteria, as you mentioned, a lot of red tape to go through before this exorcist. Yes, I support as well. Um, I actually watched a documentary um, where they interviewed this priest about exorcisms. And he says that he now has to go in with, like, a team of, like, mental health specialists. And they have to go through, like, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a, like, some rounds of medication. Like, they have to do so much before an exorcist is even. Which is good because for some reason, um, like, obviously, the big psychotic breaks we hear about, for some reason, ties into religion. Right. Like, all of them. um. Richard Ramirez thought he was, like, talking to Satan. Mm-hmm. Everyone comes back thinking they're Jesus or God or something. Yep. So I could see a lot, if that's the case, then you could see the mix-up. Yeah. Exactly. And you would need to make sure, no, she's not possessed for some reason. She just, her psychosis comes out in hating God. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, and she was 16. Could she possibly yeah. have had a bad experience at church? Maybe, and this is how she's manifesting, or yeah, so anything could have happened, and she is just nope, I hate religion. Yep, yep, yep. So I am glad they are making her go through psychological checks first. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Obviously, we're not going to be agreeing much longer, are we? (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Annalise continued to get worse mentally and physically. Uh, she began to refuse to eat during some days and was rapidly losing weight. She also, unfortunately, began injuring herself. A few weird s- symptoms also arose, such as her drinking her own urine. Huh, that's Up until then, I was going to say it is so unfortunate that as someone who went through my teen years, I could go, oh, yeah, losing weight. Uh, unfortunately, injuring yourself. Oh, no, I never... <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely not a phase anymore. (laughs) A few weird symptoms arose, such as her drinking her own urine, eating spiders, bugs, and coal. It kind of started with that. Ripping heads off of dead birds. Yeah, okay. And crawling under the table and barking like a dog for two days. Okay, I did used to go through this weird thing when we were in Canada for too long. I missed my cat, so I'd pretend to be a cat. (laughs) And I did that up until I was like, 14. I feel that. It's like like those TikToks of like, you meet that one wolf girl at your school. Yeah, I'm like, I didn't do it everywhere. It was just like, quite literally, when we were in Canada for too long, I'd miss my cats. (laughs) In November of 1973, Annalise was given Tegretol, a much stronger anti-seizure and mood stabilizer drug. She continued to have weird symptoms such as growling, seeing demons, and throwing objects. One account said that one day she squeezed an apple with one hand so hard that it exploded into bits. Goals. Goals. Gotta get those gains, Sabrina. 
Right. Honestly, demon possession. If you want to get strong, forget steroids. Demon <laughs> possession seems to do it. <laughs> they like flip cars and shit. You just have to sell your soul. Which did you have one to begin with? Hey. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> In general. <laughs> what is a soul? What is a soul? Oh, okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's cover that insult up with pretending. No, no, it's an ex- existential question. It is. I wasn't insulting you. I wasn't talking about being a redhead. But, like, let's be existential here. Finally, a priest, Father Alt, was convinced that Annalise was possessed and an exorcism was approved by a bishop. In 1975, the bishop gave Father Rins, a different priest, permission to perform the ritual Romanium on Annalise, but to do it in complete secrecy. For the next 10 months, Annalise had 67 exorcisms performed on her over the over the course of 10 months. Great. Great <laughs> sentence. Great sentence. No, I did the same thing today, too. <laughs> That's one or two exorcisms a week, each of them for lasting four hours. <sighs> yes. I was almost also surprised to discover that, like, some exorcisms seem to be quick. Others are, like, they take, they last over weeks. Yeah. I just can't imagine having an exorcism done on me one or two times a week. Like, well, that's one of those things. Like, I, I know sometimes cancer patients they look at um, chemo and just say, "You know what? I'm good." Yeah, and that's something that we're confident works. And yeah. it's curing something that we know exists. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine. Well, you might be possessed, and an exorcism might work. It's yeah. gonna be horrible. Yeah, take you down. This- step further like outside of science like yeah there's just so many maybes for something that sounds horrible yeah 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 yeah. Annalise was said to be very angry during the exorcisms and would often injure herself or others so she began to be restrained during the exorcisms as she was displaying superhuman strength Uh, Annalise also spoke in tongues during the exorcisms or she spoke to the priest directly in latin Annalise listed six demons that lived inside of her. Lucifer, Cain, Judas, Adolf Hitler, Nero, and Fleischmann. See, I love that, too. It's kind of like we were talking about time traveling. It's always when people recover memories from past life. They were Princess Cleopatra. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so you mean to tell me Lucifer has time to possess everybody? Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. No, you have, like, the foot demon that was just born on Tuesday. Uh, the Fleischmann detail was very interesting because Fleischmann was a 16th century Catholic priest who was excommunicated for drunken behavior and was accused of assault and murder. Uh, Fleischmann is not a popular figure in Catholicism, so the priests were really shocked when Annalise named him. You learn about saints when you're going through, like, getting communion and getting confirmed and stuff. You learn about saints so you could take a saint's name. The opposite well, and- of that would be learning about various priests along the way as well well and also she's 16 so she came across his name asked about him she was told no we don't talk about him oh she found out who he was yeah yeah the 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 demons that live in her are a little eh, iffy um uh but supposedly the demons argued with each other with hitler saying people are stupid as pigs they think it's all over after death it goes on and Judas saying Hitler was nothing but a big mouth who has no real say in hell. Throughout yeah, I remember this case. Yeah. 
<laughs> Throughout these sessions, Annalise would frequently talk about dying to atone for the wayworth youth of the day and the apostate priest of the modern church. Annalise actually broke the bones and ripped the tendons in her knees from continually kneeling in prayer. Holy shit. Trying, yeah. Now, between exorcisms, Annalise went through spells of normal behavior. She would behave like a normal 23-year-old, and she was studying books for her university courses. But during the exorcisms, her symptoms would come back and even stronger. So this started when she was 16, and she's 23 now. Yes, her weird behavior started when she was 16. Yeah. So anyway, this has been going on for quite a while. It's time we figure something out. Yes, exactly. As time went on with these exorcisms, Annalise began to refuse to eat again. On her last exorcism on June 30th, 1976, Annalise begged, please, absolution. And on July 1st, 1976, Annalise was pronounced dead. The autopsy reported that she died of malnutrition and dehydration. She weighed 30 kilograms, or 66 pounds, had two broken knees, and had contracted pneumonia. God. And she was 23. Holy cow. Yeah. So take a deep breath, because now we're getting into the interesting part, the trial against the priest and her parents. Okay, sure. That's right. This is a rare case of exorcisms that go to trial. In 1978, the state charged the priest and Annalise's parents with negligent homicide, and the case went to trial. They're at trial now, and there are two sides to this case, the defense and the prosecution. That's normally how a trial works, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Stay with me. (laughs) The defense, the priest, and the parents presented eyewitness testimony to the court and even submitted the audio recordings of the exorcisms as evidence as these exorcisms were audio recorded while the priest performed them. Now, Sabrina... Do you want to listen to the audio of the exorcisms? Oh my gosh, do I? Do you? Fuck yeah. <laughs> Is that what you sent me? In that YouTube video I sent you, at those timestamps, you can listen to Annalisa being exercised. Oh, that she had to call her a brat. <laughs> I mean, in her defense, that is German, and German does sound scarier as well. <laughs> Coming from a twenty-three-year-old. Yeah, that voice though. I just love that the demon used the word brat and dumbass bitch. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Oh, that was lovely. So, yes, there is audio of Annalise's exorcisms out there on YouTube. Um, So, listeners, if you want to listen to it, you can go find it for yourself. So the defense submitted those audio recordings as evidence of the exorcisms, as well as the eyewitness testimony to the court. The defense's non-religious argument was that Annalise was within her lawful right to deny medical treatment, which may include tranquilization, force feeding, and electroshock therapy. All these treatments would have been against her will if they were performed on her without her permission. So she was well within her right to deny medical treatment. 
um kind of like um kind of like assisted suicide yeah yeah it's like one of those laws um and they took it a step further and said that a family of a friend who went to see Annalise testified in court that Annalise begged her not to suggest that Annalise needed medical treatment and that the exorcisms were working Yes. And actually, one of the defendants, Father Alt, the one that talked to the bishop to do the exorcism, actually called in a medical doctor, Dr. Richard Roth, to come in and look at Annalise on the day in May before her death. Roth later claimed that he was just there out of scientific curiosity and not as a practicing physician, that Annalise had no external injuries, although Father Rins stated that she had a black eye and a broken nose. And that, quote, there are no injections against the devil, unquote. Okay. So Well, and we know of, she had messed up knees as well. Yeah, so kind of a shady doctor. Yeah. He, he went in and he was like, I just want to see this girl eat some spiders. Like, I just I, want to see some weird shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I can, you know, I can completely understand that up until a point. Yeah. When yeah, this yeah. child is dying of malnutrition. Yep. Yeah. But I kind of wondered that when they said in, they were going to do it in secrecy. Mm-hmm. Like, in one way, you don't want to make a spectacle out of it. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's also like, why why, why are you doing it secretly? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, 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 yep. The autopsy also concluded that Annalise had a healthy brain and had no damage to it that would have caused epileptic seizures, not even on a microscopic level. The defense also noted that Annalise's pupils were dilated and that there were no ulcers found on her body, which is the opposite of symptoms of victims of starvation. Normally, with victims of starvation, you find um, ulcers on their body and yeah. in their body, and their pupils are, like, tiny. That's actually so, wild, though, because, like, she did. Even if she yeah. was being possessed by demons, her bo- her physical body still didn't have any food in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now for the position of the prosecution. The prosecution said that Annalise 100% had epilepsy and possibly psychosis. The prosecution said that the defense was liable for failing to save Annalise's life. The prosecution tore down the legitimacy of the possessions, questioned the credibility of Father Alt, who was said to be schizophrenic himself. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> oh, that adds a whole nother. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Should, should you be doing exorcisms if you're schizophrenic? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. And the prosecution argued that the medication was successful in suppressing the seizures. They also argued that the medical suppression of the seizures fed into a delusional psychosis associated with epilepsy. So basically they said they were keeping her from having a seizure, but the body still needed an outlet. So it still made the hallucinations and the demons and stuff. But that's just a delusional psychosis. Yeah. With epilepsy. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The prosecution stated that the exorcisms only played into Annalise's delusional fantasies and weren't actively helping her. I could see that as like you're making it worse. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially if, like, do they have any proof that this priest was schizophrenic? I couldn't find any. 
Because if they're and, just saying that, then this is just useless. I, but I think if they had medical documents in the court. I don't think it was hearsay. Okay, because yeah. I, I would imagine you have to say have something proving yourself up mm-hmm. in court. Because um, mm-hmm. if they're both schizophrenic or suffering from something, then they would just be feeding off each other. Right, right. But Father Alt didn't do the exorcisms. Father Rins did. Father oh, Alt okay. is just the one who recommended the bishop to approve the exorcism. Okay, okay. Yeah. Eh, still, there's something there as well. Yeah, it, it's kind of like he has like um, a kind ear. Like, he like understands her symptoms and he's like, yeah, we'll get you an exorcism. Yeah, because he's schizophrenic himself. Well, and he might have he yeah he might have also played up her symptoms when he went to the bishop. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. In April of 1978, the court ruled in favor of the prosecution, and the priests and parents were sentenced. All of them were convicted of negligent homicide, and they all had to serve a six-month pr- prison sentence be on probation for three years, and pay all the court costs. This was a way harsher sentence than normal, as the prosecution wanted the priest to only be fined and the parents to be found guilty but not punished, as they had been punished enough at losing their child in this way. Mm -hmm. But they were convicted and had to serve a small prison sentence. Yeah. This case, of course, gained a lot of media attention, and the Catholic Church in Germany had to scramble to save their reputation at the time. Uh, Bishops held a lot of conferences and actually denied Annalise's possession, saying that she was just mentally unhealthy and they were just trying to help her, but that she wasn't possessed. And the Pope, yeah. isn't going to do that yeah yeah so uh and the pope at the time became stricter on allowing exorcisms to be performed requiring more red tape to get an exorcism today this case was also the inspiration for many horror movies the most popular one being the 2004 movie the exorcism of emily rose that is almost basically a play-by-play of annalise's life um, the 2006 German drama film Requiem and the 2011 horror film Annalise, the Exorcist Tapes, named after her, were also inspired by Annalise and Michelle. And that is my case. And so, Sabrina, I have to ask, now that we're finished, what do you think? Was this mental health or possession or a mix of both? Or What are your thoughts? Well, if it was possession, we've got to figure out a way to do it better because it didn't work. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I know a lot of people who believe, actually I don't, I know a few people that believe, I just, it doesn't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. And like, not even like the whole, just, why would all five of those demons have picked a 16 year old girl to go into? Right. Yeah. Like, if I'm gonna do it, I happen to know, or I don't, sorry, I don't happen to know, but I highly doubt leaders of major countries are guarded from, um, possession. Right. Like, I haven't heard, although it'd be a secret, but I don't know if the President of the United States has to go get the supernatural (laughs) protection tattoo on him. (laughs) Like, if I was gonna do that, if I, if I was a bad demon, I'd be possessing one of them. Yeah, who they... Like, what would you achieve possessing a small-town girl? Right. Right. But... Yeah. 
Yeah, like I know also at a younger age, at that age, you're more susceptible to, but it's also like yeah. you're also more susceptible to mental health issues. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm saying that this was mental health treatment gone wrong. Yeah. Like, and, like, I'm really glad her parents sound like they went through – they tried to get her mental – like, they actual tried health. so hard. They went through so many medications and, like, so many doctors. And it, it's just, like, you know, what if she had something that hadn't been discovered yet? Yeah. Or hadn't been documented or something rarer, like, you know? Well, and that's also where I think of that priest that had schizophrenia. You know, they're – very religious people they've been they've been dealing with this for years and now someone starts whispering in their ear you know what this might be this might be a possession like i know how to help you i can i know how to fix this yeah at some point the parents just have to say please anything yeah i i yeah i feel terrible for the parents because like and parents will do anything for their child yeah like seriously well, and, like, if it appeared to be working in between, then I could understand yep. them not stopping when it started to get too far. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Ugh. It's I, – I just feel so bad for Annalise. Like, honestly, she – something was definitely going on, and it, there was no drugs to help her. No one to help her, really. Yeah. Like, I assume for some reason – she wasn't eating and it wasn't just that people were not letting her eat, but that would make you slightly delusional as well. Like her brain could not have been fully functioning. Yeah. There, there's a quote from her in one of the exorcisms that she wasn't allowed to eat. Like, and it wasn't the people around her. It was the demons inside her not allowing her to eat. Yeah. Yeah. So she thought that she wasn't allowed well, and then with the exorcisms, it would have just made her condition, if it was a mental health issue, then it would just made her condition deteriorate. Yeah, and, like, just make it, like, like, if I thought, if I was, if I was getting an exorcism once or twice a week, I would just start thinking, yep, I'm demons. Like, yeah, 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 you know, if you keep telling your friends you're stupid, or they're stupid, they'll believe it. Exactly, like. Well, and, like, even, even so, it was the 60s, so, you know. What were her options? Being locked up in a sanitarium? Yeah. Like, yeah. she probably would have survived that, but she might have also ended up in a straitjacket. Yeah. Or, I I, I don't want to say, say the L word. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, dark case, but finish and... I hope Annalise is at rest, and I hope her parents are at rest, because I think they have passed away by now. I I do believe in, you can't believe in possession without believing in afterlife. I do believe they're all together. Yeah, 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 for sure. For and sure, it's just sure. Annalise, not her five other friends. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, yes. If If on the off chance she was possessed, they all went back to where they were. Or to someone else. Oh, God. (laughs) All right. All right, guys. Thank you so much for flying with us today. Join us in two weeks as we prepare your flight to Milan, Italy. And be sure to check out Sabrina's day trip next week. I have no idea where we're going because I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. Woo! (laughs) I love finals. Yay!
comment and share wherever you find your podcast. It's a great way to help us out. Thanks for listening and stay terrified. Bye. Bye.